Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about the appointment of former Maricopa County Attorney Bill Montgomery to the Arizona Supreme Court. We'll break down what we know about Montgomery's prosecutorial record, his politics, and how he will approach the job of jurist on the state's highest court. And there's a little bit of construction going on in our building, so sorry if you hear some bumps. Bill Montgomery is one of the most powerful people in this state. He has wielded considerable political clout in part because of his connections to very powerful GOP figures, like former U.S. Senator John Kyle and attorney victims advocate Steve Twist. His rise followed the tenure of Andrew Thomas. You may remember him as the former county attorney who was eventually disbarred in part because of his fights and investigations of county officials and judges. Ron, give us the background on Montgomery's appointment. Right. So Bill Montgomery was the Maricopa County prosecutor until Governor Ducey appointed him to the state Supreme Court on September 4th. He's known for his aggressive opposition to decriminalizing marijuana and is viewed by some as hostile to the gay community. Montgomery's appointment solidifies the seven-member court's conservative ideological bent and deepens the governor's imprint on the court, which is the end of the legal road for nearly all Arizona cases, and that's from murder cases on down to landlord-tenant matters. This appointment, though perhaps more than any of the other four that preceded it, raises questions about the direction of the court. Montgomery is now facing an ethics complaint to the state bar that we'll hear more about, claiming that he covered up misconduct by one of the prosecutors in the infamous Jody Arias murder trial. And Ducey picked Montgomery after reshuffling the members of the commission that screens judicial appointments. That commission gave Montgomery a decidedly mixed review when he was considered for the Supreme Court earlier this year. The Arizona Supreme Court, as Ron alluded to, decides thousands of cases that affect your everyday lives. Everything from how much money goes into your kid's classroom to policies that affect abortion and other social issues. To hear more about the Supreme Court, take a listen to our earlier episode about it. And in that one, we also covered Ducey's previous appointments. Here to talk about that with us is reporter Lauren Castle, who covers courts and criminal justice, and Robert Anglin, who covers consumer issues. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So what can you tell us about Montgomery's bio, Lauren? Well, Montgomery was first introduced to the criminal justice system when visiting his father in prison. His father was incarcerated for smuggling marijuana across the border to Texas. He was raised mostly by his mother, who he called a woman of wisdom. His mom taught him circumstances are what we deal with. They don't dictate who you are or what you become. This informs everything he does in his job. Yeah, he went to West Point, the U.S. Military Academy. He's a staunch Catholic and a social conservative, so it shouldn't come as any surprise that he's also a strict constitutionalist. That's somebody who treats the Constitution as if it were the Bible. There's not a lot of room for latitude there. This informs his opinion on a lot of issues. He's pro-death penalty, and he gets a lot of criticism for reform bills failing to pass. But that's not his goal. So, Lauren, Montgomery is known as a 
tough-on-crime prosecutor. That's something that should come as no surprise to our gaggle listeners and to those who know him well. What can you tell us about his prosecutorial record? He is a strong supporter of the death penalty at a time when many states are reconsidering their stance. In a 2017 op-ed, he said as long as there are horrific murders reflecting the worst of crimes, there will always be a role for the death penalty. Also in 2014, he argued that lifelong incarceration with medical bills and post-conviction appeals is more expensive than a death sentence. People also criticized him in regards to medical marijuana. The ACLU filed a lawsuit against his office after he and other law enforcements did not believe extracts fell under the state's Medical Marijuana Act. They filed this lawsuit on the behalf of a five-year-old kid who dealt with seizures. However, a Maricopa County Superior Court judge ruled in 2014 that extracts were illegal. And then this year, the Arizona Supreme Court also ruled the same after a Yavapai County man was convicted for having extracts. Last year, his office was also sued for its task diversion program that dealt with marijuana crimes. He also faced criticism for his views on the LGBT community because of a policy um, for not assisting on legal assistance to same-sex couples seeking adoption. So those are sort of the headlines for his tenure. What are the accomplishments that, that he will point to or his supporters will point to for him? Well, the office claims that their felony pretrial intervention program helps people avoid prison time and head in the right direction. The office says that it has expanded the diversion program to help over a thousand participants. Many of the defense attorneys that I've spoken with like the program. They said that it has helped many of their clients. Recently, the office announced the creation of a diversion program to help people with mental illnesses. The office claims its diversion program for people with mental illnesses is the first of its kind in the state, and it is with a partnership with Southwest Behavioral Health and Services. Montgomery said when making the announcement that the program will provide treatment and counseling. So he was a key reason the Republican-controlled state legislature did not pass sentencing reform. Why does that matter? Criminal justice advocates have often said Montgomery has made it impossible to pass reform bills due to his influence at the state legislature. He and other prosecutors oppose bail reform, sentencing reform, and lighter drug sentences while supporting tougher penalties for those offenses. I mean, this is a guy, though, who comes from a background where he is, his father was incarcerated for, you know, marijuana smuggling, and now this is where he's at. And his stance on the death penalty... Again, I hate the reference, but it is pure, pure Old Testament. It's biblical. Well, and now you two have written about this bombshell of an ethics complaint against Montgomery. It was pretty jaw-dropping. What was that about, Robert? So lawyers for Jody Arias have filed an ethics complaint against Bill Montgomery that has accused him of covering up misconduct by the top prosecutor in this office. Jody Arias is a, is a notorious murderer. She was convicted for killing her boyfriend, sometime boyfriend, Travis Alexander. She shot him. She slit his throat. She left his body in a shower. She stabbed him a f- several dozen times. And then she went away for a few days before she was arrested. The trial, by the way, drew insane interest 
from around the world. It became a one of these celebrity trials that, that just grabbed the attention through an entire summer and almost and continued for more than a couple of years through not only the trial itself where she was convicted of murder, but also through the death penalty phase where two juries couldn't reach a unanimous verdict on sentencing her to death. So she's now been sentenced to life in prison. And what specifically does this ethics complaint allege, Lauren? The complaint alleges that Montgomery allowed prosecutor Juan Martinez block public records from being released. This includes personnel records and depositions of employees who complained that Martinez harassed them. These are sexual harassment complaints. According to what we know, Martinez was accused of sexually harassing multiple women in the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. So while he was a prosecutor, he was alleged to have tried to date women, tried to get them to go out with them, make lewd comments, mostly law clerks and, and paralegals is my understanding. The complaint also says that Martinez was writing a tell-all book about the area's case while the trial was unfolding. The lawyer who represents Jody Arias, Karen Clark, wants those claims investigated, says they're unethical, and she's asking for an independent bar counsel to investigate the potential violations. That's because she says there's a conflict of interest for the bar to now investigate Montgomery, who's an Arizona Supreme Court justice. The timing of this complaint was interesting, to say the least. Um, Do you have a sense of why they filed it with the state bar when they did? I do. And I know a lot of people are convinced that they filed it because Montgomery was being considered for a Supreme Court appointment. You also have to take into account the fact that the presiding disciplinary judge just ruled a couple of weeks previously to toss out key complaints against Martinez in in this case. disciplinary hearing. Now, the bar has filed a series of complaints about Martinez and about his conduct during the area's trial, the sexual harassment, the uh, a relationship with a juror, a relationship with a blogger, sexual both. At least that's the connotation. And so when the judge overseeing the ethics complaint threw these out, that prompted a new series of complaints against Martinez. Keep in mind that these records that Montgomery are withholding are the same records that the Arizona Republic has been trying to reach. They're public records. And there's a question about whether Montgomery is trying to use the court to keep information about his office that might not be complimentary out of the hands of the public. What does this complaint, which will be handled through a very complex and lengthy legal proceeding. What does it tell us about how Montgomery might approach his job as a jurist on the state's highest court, Robert? He'll handle them with an iron fist. That's the way he's, that's what it says about how he's going to handle cases. If his role as the Maricopa County attorney is is any reflection of the way he's going to be operate on the bench. He's going to do it with strict. He's going to do it without much use for what the public thinks or perceives as problems within his decisions. Lauren, what's at stake with this complaint? Does Montgomery have to recuse himself from this case? And is there any kind of precedent of other judges uh, to the court recusing themselves when there was some prior legal matter when they were in an earlier position? 
Well, according to the court, justices decide independently which cases to recuse from and don't need to explain why they are recusing. Working with a lawyer is not an automatic disqualifying event. However, the extent of the relationship and recency are factors for the justice to consider. Could he lose his law license? I don't know if this complaint will affect Montgomery's position on the Supreme Court. It was Ducey's call, and he's made it. Of course, if Montgomery is stripped of his legal license because of the complaint, he could lose that power. And if he doesn't have a license to practice law, I don't think he can sit on the bench. But that would require the state bar to take action, and they're trying. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. Where can people find each of you on Twitter? I'm at at Lauren underscore Castle. I'm at Robert Anglin. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-A-N-G-L-E-N. Thank you. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts, breaking down the politics and I guess the legal implications of all of this, right, Ron? I mean, there is clearly another political layer to this really interesting appointment. Yeah, it really seems like there is. Bill Montgomery and the governor weren't exactly warm friends uh, before all of this. So right off the bat, it asks the question, why did the governor keep coming back to Bill Montgomery after the first round when the screening panel really wasn't all that enthused about his nomination or his possible nomination? Um, And then there's the whole bit about the governor continuing to shape this court to his liking. So I would view this appointment and the four that preceded it by Ducey as the biggest accomplishment of his gubernatorial tenure period, full stop, end of story. But his appointments clearly reflect the same sort of approach politically, socially, and otherwise that uh, the governor and some of his most important backers uh, carry. And those backers, people like uh, Randy Kendrick, a very well-heeled and influential Republican power player, John Kyle, Steve Twist, big heavyweights in Arizona politics and national politics. This makes them very, very happy. The minute Robert and Lauren's story came out and I got a statement from John Kyle's um, aide, I knew like that was it. The, the, the deal was done. Ducey was going to be appointing him. So very powerful people uh, were helping put this in motion behind the scenes. And obviously the governor was happy with him too. Yeah. I mean, you could tell they really wanted this appointment to go through and, and there was not going to be any speed bumps along the way. Um, you know, and I would say this about Ducey's impact on the court that, you know, it's not just that he's made a lot of appointments, it's that he added to the court over the chief justice's protests at the time. So what you've got is a judiciary that he has expanded and shaped and has really put his, his thumbprint in many ways on the scales of what the Supreme Court will look like. Now, what matters they take up will remain to be seen, but I'm sure we'll be following that over the course of time on all this. One other thought that I have on it is just how the court's reputation right now seems to be um, sagging, to say the least, that, okay, this bar complaint is obviously uh, not ideal for some new member to the court, but it's not the only question that we have. The whole Clint Bollock uh, situation also is troubling, to say the least. 
Are you talking about his uh, attendance to Alec? I am. So Bullock recently attended with his wife a reception at uh, the model legislation Bill Mill conference known as ALEC. Uh, he did not attend the conference, but he did attend an event. And uh, there were uh, photos of him circulating on social media, and that attendance raised questions about his partiality and his, um, you know, just really kind of shed light on the revolving door notion in Arizona politics. Go from the Goldwater Institute to the Supreme Court, you know, there are questions there, rightfully so, perhaps. Well, that's it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week. We'll be right back.